0: Listening to sermons from South Point Locust Grove, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpoint.org. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 121 this morning. Psalm chapter 121. When I was a child, I remember before we left for any uh, road trip, something that maybe some of you are doing already or have done this summer, I remember before leaving that um, after we had packed our early model uh, Ford Aerostar, anybody have one of those Ford Aerostars? Or remember riding in one, a red. It was this beautiful red Ford Aerostar. After mom and dad had packed us all into that car, Before before we left the driveway, my dad would always take the opportunity to pray. And what's so interesting is that I don't really remember besides the dinner table praying as a family, but we would do that. My dad was always serious about stopping before we left on a trip to just pray. And as I look back, how special that was for me, how special it was that dad and uh, I think of you fathers, on this Father's Day, uh, what a gift it is that you might give your children in prayer, just by stopping to pray with your family and your kids. What a gift it could be to your families. Now, for us, before we left ahead, wherever it was, perhaps Florida, it was a moment that dad was praying that we were able to reorient ourselves around the only one who could really care for us, the only one who could really help us. If we're honest, as we're, we're barreling down 75 at who knows how fast dad was driving, the only one who could really help us was the Lord himself. And so that prayer was a moment for us to just reorient ourselves around the God who helps. And as I think more about it, not only was that prayer special, but we, we must've really meant it. And here's why. Because I know in that Ford Aerostar, before my littlest sister came along, it was just me and my younger sister, and mom and dad would pull out that middle row, and they would make a pallet there in the middle of the van, and we would play all the way down to Florida. That is crazy, right? You're like, well, we did that too. We must have really believed that the Lord who we were praying to was the one who was really in control of all things. As we approach Psalm 121 this morning, I want you to consider it as a traveling psalm, a traveling psalm, because here's the deal. Um, These these psalms, Psalms chapter 120 through 134 are called, scholars refer to them as psalms of ascent, psalms of ascent ascent. And they would be sung by the Hebrew people as they were traveling up the hill towards the city of Jerusalem. And they were commanded by God to at least make this journey three times. They would have gone to Jerusalem up into the hills for Passover in the spring. They would have gone up into the hills towards Jerusalem for Pentecost in the early summer. And then they would have gone yet again up the hills towards Jerusalem for tabernacles in the fall. You could think of this psalm and the other Psalms of Ascent as a Spotify playlist, if you will. These are the songs that people are engaging with, listening to as they head up the hills. And I'm not going to ask us to sing this psalm this morning, but I would love for us to read it out loud together. As the people of God speaking these words together and as we do, I want you to consider the sounds that you might hear. Young, old, male, female, boys, girls, moms, and dads all saying the same thing together. So Psalm chapter 121, this is going to be up on the screen so that we could all read the same translation, the ESV together. Let's read this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in, from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord, and we spoke it a couple of extra times, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, But friends and family members, as they would have been traveling up the hills towards Jerusalem, would have sang this together in unison from the younger and older, each of them with different life experiences. And that's the way you and I, as we come to Psalm 121 this morning, that's the way that we come to it as well. Different life experiences some of you know exactly what it means that the Lord is your help and the Lord is your keeper. Some of you have had the lowest of lows, the darkest of days. The psalmist refers to them as the dark night of the soul. Some of you would say, Pastor Chris, I know exactly what it is like to be at the lowest point and to, and to still know And to be able to rehearse, the Lord is my helper and the Lord is my keeper. And yet there are others of you that would say, I actually haven't experienced anything very difficult yet at this point. Some of those littlest ones on the stage just a moment ago, they haven't had many difficult experiences yet. Mom and dad are doing everything for them. So it is our prayer that as mom and dad raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that they might find themselves in the safety of mom and dad's home, in the safety of the church, and that they would be able to say these things one day by faith, even if they haven't experienced the lowest of lows. We all come to Psalm 121 with different experiences when we say, The Lord is my helper, and yet we're here together, aren't we? The people of God listening to Psalm 121, seeing how God in his kindness might see that this goes down into our hearts. And we're all asking the same question. From where does my help come from? Psalm 121 reorients the people of God around the Lord himself to himself to remember his constant care and help. And we're given two truths, just two basic truths in This passage and the first is this the Lord is my helper. If You're taking notes. It's as simple as that the Lord is my helper again verse one. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see in this context the hills were often seen as a harbor for robbers a place that thieves and criminals would hide out the hills also pointed and led to that beautiful city, Jerusalem. The hills were literally, for the people of God, mountains of concern. And also, they produced this beautiful anticipation. What will the worship look like as we reach Jerusalem? We don't know exactly what the psalmist had in mind when they asked this question, but it is clear for you and I, and for the psalmist, that we need help. Anybody resonate with that this morning? We need help. As the psalmist looks to the mountains, it becomes very clear in their eyes. Help isn't found there. Help isn't found in the mountains. I must get my eyes up higher. Last week, we walked over to the park near our house, and there was a, a young boy and his mother. Uh, they were there playing, and this little boy, every, he took a few steps. He was just as happy as could be, and every few steps he took, he fell over. He just fell over, and uh, it, it was just a, a fun sight to be with because every time the little kid fell over, his mom looked at him, and she said, up, 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 he'd, re- he'd take a few more steps, up, 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 after he fell. Up, up, up. His mother knew that as he fell, if he didn't get up right away, he's going to start looking at everything around him, and he's going to start noticing all the scrapes and cuts on his hands after he fell over and over again, and he was never going to get up. But she kept rehearsing, up, 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 as to say, let's get up. Let's get our eyes up higher. Let's look at something different. And I cannot get that out of my head. Because that's what this psalm attempts to show us. When the cares of life are weighing you down, because they do, don't they? When the cares of life are weighing you down, when we find ourselves in a spot where there seems to be nowhere to turn, when we begin to scan the mountains and all of the circumstances around us for some sort of relief, some sort of help, What are we to think? Up, up, up. Many of you are navigating child rearing and child bearing. We commissioned several of you earlier. And there is going to be the temptations to wonder at times. Do all parents have it this hard? Some of you parents are are more well seasoned than others. And you would say, I remember that question all too well. Do all parents have it this hard? Is my child exceptionally difficult? For for others of you, you may say, will I ever get pregnant? Why is my pregnancy so challenging? How can we feed another mouth? My spouse seems so distant. Is it me? We begin to scan. Where will my help come from the resounding answer is up 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 others of you are wading through singleness and the questions that you begin to ask yourself over and over again are will I ever get married does anyone ever notice me does anyone ever see how hard I have to try to spend times with those whom I love and we begin to scan Where will my help come from? Young person, students, it's not lost on me that you're in a unique season of life where you begin to think things like, who am I? Who am I? My friends think I'm this person. My parents think I'm this person. Who am I? Why don't I get a phone like all the other kids? Why? Why does it? Seems so difficult for me to make friends. Why is math so incredibly hard? Where will my help come from? Even today, as many are celebrating Father's Day and what a gift that is, perhaps you come in with an emptiness inside of you. That isn't lost on me. I texted several brothers this morning that I know who have lost a dad in the last year or two knowing that this is an especially difficult day and the temptation would be for you to look at everybody around you and every family around you as they celebrate. You would say, where will my help come from? The psalm wants us to hear loud and clear, up, up, up. Your help will not come from any other circumstance. Our help comes where? From the Lord. My help, comes from the Lord my help comes from Jehovah Yahweh God the God who literally begins his word to humanity with this in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning God in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the God who's mentioned five times in this little passage this isn't help From Baal, this isn't help from any pagan god. This isn't help from any circumstance, your job, your finances, your spouse. It's not help in the form of money or anything else. It's not help from a politician, a child even. This help comes from the God who made heaven and earth, the God who the Bible testifies to. So before we move on, the question that the non-Christian in this room might say, if I had an answer to this, it might really solidify my belief in Christ and his resurrection. It really stop my wrestling. For the Christian, you might say, I have been wondering this time and time again. What is it? that the Lord actually provides. I hear what you're saying, Chris. We just read it together, Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord, but I really want to know what kind of help is it that the Lord brings? You say, I've prayed to the Lord for months to remove this anxiety that I continue to deal with. I have prayed to the Lord for years to remove this debilitating pain from my life or I've prayed for a long time for God to bring me a spouse or to help this great ache that's in my heart and I'm still waiting. We wonder, what is it that the Lord actually helps with? How does the Lord help us? Here are just a few ways. First, God is helping us by using all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. If you spent any time in church, that sounds like a familiar verse to you. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. It gives us great confidence for the Christian that God really is using all things, not just the good things in our life, but he's using even the bad things that we would say are really bad. Those dark moments. The times of suffering, he's using how many things? All things for our good. That's how God helps the Christian. Second, God is supplying us with new morning mercies every single day. Again, another verse that you might be very familiar with. We say it all the time. We thank the Lord for his new morning mercies in prayer regularly. And yet, do we know what the Lord is giving us in new morning mercy? Here's the reality. God in the heavens who created heaven and earth is a God who knows every single thing about you. He knows the way that you lived yesterday. He knows the ways in which you turned your back on him over and over and over again yesterday. And there is the Son, our Savior Christ, who's standing at his right, who is, who is seated at his right hand Jesus Christ, our advocate, who is pleading on your behalf again today. His new morning mercies are new, and that is how he helps you. God is providing for you, child. We see in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, that if God cares for the sparrows, how much more is he caring and providing for you? And then finally, God has actually given you his helper. God has given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you himself before Christ Jesus ascended into heaven. He told his disciples, you're going to be in a unique position. In fact, what's about to happen in your life and in the subsequent lives of all the believers for all time from this point forward, is it's actually going to be better than me walking beside you because I'm not just going to be here for certain people When they see me, I'm actually going to be there inside, indwelling every single Christian, all those who trust in Christ Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of sins. I'm giving you myself. So as you begin to say, Lord, where is my help coming from? What is it that you actually do to help me? Remember, he's given you new morning mercies. He's given you his provision He's helping you by seeing that all things work together for your good. And finally, He's given you His very presence, indwelling you, making you more like His Son, Christ. The question that we need to ask is this What if the help that you've been hoping for isn't the help that you need? As you scan the hills, In your day to day life, what if the help that you've been looking for isn't the help that you need? In my backyard, right behind our kitchen sink, we can see this one tree, this lone tree, but it's a good tree. It's a good climbing tree. And the previous owners had put some stairs, uh, places to climb for the kids. And so they get up there sometimes, and uh, at some point, they might get too high, and they realize. This isn't good. I don't know what I'm going to do now. And so from the kitchen, we hear, help, Dad, help, Mom, somebody help us. And so I I run out there. I'm, I'm used to this drill. They've been looking for this help from Dad to come pick them out of the tree and to set them down. But what I soon find as they begin to cry for help over and over again, what I soon find is that as soon as I get out there, as soon as I'm standing beside the tree, all of a sudden they have this ability to begin taking the next step down. Okay, I got this. I got this. I got this. I did it, Dad. All by myself. The help that they were looking for wasn't the help that they actually needed. They thought that what they needed most was for me to grab them and set them down, but what they really needed was for dad to come alongside them and give them his presence, my presence. What if the help that you're looking for in your life, dear Christian, isn't the help that you actually need? I would ask, at the same time, if you're having a difficult time resting in the help that Jehovah God brings, you would say, as I look at my life, I continue to find myself up against these situations and circumstances and people where I'm wondering, God, I really need some help here. I really need some help. And if you're having a difficult time resting in the kind of help that Jehovah God brings, his provision, his working all things out together for your good, his indwelling presence, if you're having a difficult time resting in those things, I would ask this, how are you interacting with God's ordinary means of grace? Here's what I mean. Are you enjoying the normal helps that God for all time has given to his people? The normal means, regular participation in a Sunday gathering, Inviting members into your life regularly for fellowship and encouragement, perhaps even accountability, serving others. How are you engaging with the Bible? And I don't ask these questions in a legalistic way, but just to say, if you're having a difficult time receiving the help that Jehovah God brings, we might wonder, we might begin to wonder, am I enjoying God's regular means of care and grace in my life. The help that the Lord offers is himself, and he's given us simple means that we might enjoy him fully through. So as you're tempted to scan the hills for help this week, remember, up, up, up. The Lord is my helper who made heaven and earth. The second truth from Psalm 121 is that the Lord is my keeper. That's the second point. That's the final point of our time together this morning. We see that in verses three through eight, but there, if you're in the text, verse three, the psalmist says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Now you may have noticed this as we read it, but this is where the psalm changes from the first person to the third person. Some suggest that this psalm actually could have been sang as the Hebrew people were climbing up the hills towards Jerusalem as a call and response. Others would say that there's just an internal dialogue that is happening in the psalmist. But whatever the case, uh, we know that in the ancient Near East, the the, the pavement would not have been like the travel trails or the highways that you and I are used to. They would have been rocky. They would have been difficult to navigate. And remember, again, there would have been robbers and thieves ready to jump out at any given place. It was easy to stumble and fall. There was a lot of anxiety on those hills. I met with a sister in our church a couple of weeks ago, and she explained that she's always rehearsed truths like this. She knows them to be the case. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. She's always been able to say those truths, but it wasn't until recently when she moved through a, a, a really tumultuous time, a very difficult time of suffering over the past six months in her life, that she was able to say with great confidence by faith that the Lord truly is my steady. The Lord really does take his people from difficult places and he sets our feet on solid ground. I love the closing of the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever, amen. You may remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 18 when the prophets of Baal are unable to get their God to respond. They're trying all these measures and means to, to get their gods to do something, and Elijah begins to mock them with all kinds of things, but this one in particular, and he says, perhaps your God needs to be awakened. Maybe your God is sleeping, and to this we hear verse 4. Behold, He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You see, pagan gods need sleep. Pagan gods need rest. Not Jehovah, though. He never dozes off. He never gets tired. He never takes naps. He doesn't even eat. He has need of nothing. He is completely an attribute we know to be true about God. He is self-sustaining. That's who our God is. His promise was especially true for those traveling the hills towards Jerusalem. In my daily Bible reading, Pastor Chris and I are actually reading through a Bible plan together. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were going through the Proverbs. And I found myself walking through those verses just thinking that I was going to read yet another story. And you know quickly when you get to the book of Proverbs, no, it's just like here's a one-liner and here's another one-liner and there's another one-liner and you're like, what did I just read? Okay, I got to stop. Let me think about that one sentence before I move on to the next sentence. And I think sometimes when we find ourselves in the Bible, we can, we can hear verses that seem familiar like this and we can do much the same. I've heard that the Lord is my helper before. I've heard that the Lord is my keeper before, and we just keep moving on, right? But what does it really mean that the God of Israel won't sleep? Does that matter? Consider this parable that Charles Spurgeon referenced in a sermon. He said this, a poor woman came to the sultan one day and she was asking for compensation for the loss of some property. And he said, well, how did you lose the property? And she said, I fell asleep. A robber came into my house and took everything that I had. The sultan replied, why did you fall asleep? And her reply, I fell asleep, sultan, because I thought you were awake. The sultan was so much delighted with the answer of the woman that he quickly compensated her for all of her lost goods and then some more. Family, for the Hebrew traveler on her way to Jerusalem, think of the relief that this truth brought to their family and consider your own circumstances in light of that. You see, as we hear, the Lord is my helper and the Lord is my keeper, it's not as though we are saying, there are no dangers out there for the Christian. I will be fine. The Lord is my keeper. That's not true, is it? It's not as though there are no dangers out there. There are plenty. It's not as though we could say, there is no work to be done. All has been completed on behalf of God. I no longer need to do anything in the workplace. Your boss would be like, bro, time to pack your bags. It's not the case. There's always work to be done. It's not that we could say there are no worries because Christ is my great provision. Anybody have any worries today? We can sleep and rest because our God never sleeps or rests. He keeps us. In 1996, I had a really great privilege of going to England with my boy choir. And uh, it was a really fun time. I wish that I remembered more of it than just the, the pictures that I had developed at Wolf Camera afterwards. But it was a really neat experience, and one thing that I remember vividly from that trip was that we stood outside of Buckingham Palace, and man, I would have thought in that moment that this was a a once-in-a-lifetime endeavor, the changing of the guards. I quickly found out that they do this every single day, that this pomp and circumstance Man, those guys have been trained and trained and trained. We were trying to get them to flinch. We were trying to get them to look at us. And they're just as steady as can possibly be. Perhaps you've seen it. And it happens every single day. But what I thought about as I read this passage was this. That symbol of constant watch and care, even for the king and queen of England, has to change out. They might say, we're always protected by the guards, but there is a changing of those guards every single day. Jehovah God never sleeps nor slumbers. He never sleeps nor slumbers. It's not so with the Lord that he sleeps. But what is it that God is keeping us up from, Christian? Or in? He isn't keeping all calamity away from us, is he? He's certainly not keeping us from all pain because we experience it deeply. Some of you experienced it this week. God is keeping us secure in his love. He's keeping us secure for his eternal purposes. God is keeping us for heaven. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In verse four, we see the Lord is the one who keeps Israel. But here in verse five, there's a shift from the whole of Israel to the person. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord who keeps Israel is also the same God that keeps you. We see in Colossians chapter 1 that there is Jesus that holds all things together, including the chair that you're sitting in. He's holding all things together. And we see that there in a physical sense, but here we see it holistically. We are being held by God. Several weeks ago, my daughter got a, a scary image in her head right before bedtime and she just started just wailing i didn't know what she was talking about at first she just she was flailing all over the place just right as we were going to sleep right as i was laying her to bed i finally found out that there was a monster this image of a monster to which we finally discovered it was a cartoon show that we've since then decided no more of that cartoon show But I kept rehearsing to her over and over, Piper, the Lord is your strength. He's your helper. He's our very present help in times of need. All the scriptures that you might rehearse in those kinds of moments, and she wasn't having it. You might say, man, I know that all too well. Because when the cares of life seem overwhelming to me, I can hear all of the things that the Lord has given me in his word and it doesn't seem to calm the anxieties in my soul. I've heard it all. I've read it all. Here's the beautiful thing about keeping. Piper wasn't having it. She didn't want to hear any of it. None of that was working. But I took my daughter in my arms. I grabbed her. I kept her. And I held her. The thing that she thought she needed wasn't actually that. The thing that she wanted wasn't the help that she actually needed. Dear Christian, could that be the case for you as well? The help that you've been looking for, the help that you've been scanning for in all of your circumstances and all the people in your life and all the financial dealings, what if God says the help that you need is something that you haven't been looking for. Here's the beautiful thing. To the Christian who has forgotten to ask for that kind of help or to the Christian that would think, man, I actually don't really need help until things get too bad. I mean, I'm pretty self-sufficient myself. The beautiful thing is that while you're sleeping, Jehovah God is still keeping you as well. The sun was scorching on those roads leading to Jerusalem. The only hope against the rays was to find a bit of relief from the shade. Psalm 91 verse one, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. In essence, the Lord is our shade. And where's the shade that he will provide? What does the text say? It's on our right hand. To you, it's this one, right? It's on our right hand. And the right hand in the Bible, does anybody know what the right hand signifies? Heard some murmuring. Power. Strength. The Lord says, I am going to give you my shade on your most powerful things. In the areas that you would say, I am most confident in, I am most strong in, that is the place where the Lord is going to give you his help. Isn't that a beautiful truth? We often think that the Lord is only going to come in the places of our weakness, the place where we say, God, I really need your help. I can't do this on my own. And God says, I'm not only gonna help you there, but I'm gonna help you in the places that you think that you don't need my help at all because I'm Jehovah God. I never sleep, I never slumber, I always keep my people. Verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Christian, we aren't guaranteed health wealth, or any success here in this life, but we are promised that God in his kindness will preserve our souls. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, says, Jesus says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And our last verse this morning, verse eight, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This was a Hebrew idiom for the daily affairs of life. The Lord will keep you day by day. That should be a great comfort to us this week. One author wrote this. The psalmist is so absorbed in the thought of his keeper that he barely names his dangers. With happy assurance of protection, he says over and over again the one word, which is his amulet against foes and fears. Six times in these few verses does the thought recur that Jehovah is the keeper of Israel or of the single soul. Spurgeon said this, When we go out in youth to begin life and come in at the end to die, we shall experience the same keeping. Our exits and our entrances are under one protection. How long can we as the people of God count on the Lord's protection? How long can we count on him to keep us? How long can we count on the Lord to help us? The psalmist would tell us from this time forth and forevermore. Family, When you're tempted to begin to scan your circumstances this week for help, for keeping, remember, up, up, up. God is your helper and your keeper from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to spend some time in your word with brothers and sisters. It is not lost on us that this word that you've given us has been preserved for several millennia so that, the, so that your children for all time would know your attributes, your characteristics. And God, even for us today, that we might know you and love you in a particular way, knowing that as we find ourselves in difficult moments, in bouts of suffering. Even when we find ourselves in times of great strength, God, you've assured us through your word today that you are our help and you are our keeper. God, we confess that we look all over the place for help and keeping throughout our week. We pray That as your gift to us, your spirit, your presence, your Holy Spirit this week, that as we begin to scan the hills for help, that we would remember to take our eyes up just a little higher. Knowing that you, Jehovah God, never sleep, never slumber, always care for us, always work to see all things together for our good are always seeing that we're provided for. Always seeing that we are kept. God, I pray for the individual in here today that has never trusted in your son, Christ Jesus, by faith. God, I pray that you might, by the power of your spirit, give them a new heart this morning that they would trust in you. A better way not to take away all of the dangers in their life. Not to take away everything that might bring worry, but so that they might know that there is someone always helping, always keeping. And it is you, Lord. Father, for the Christian here this morning, I pray that you might use this message for great good in our lives and we are confident that you will. You help us, you keep us, Lord. It's in Christ's name that we pray.